everyone, welcome back to the Deep Dive Reviews Podcast. I'm James and with me today is Matthew. How are you doing, Matthew? Hello, James, and hello, Internet. Um, I don't know why you did that voice. I don't know why I did this voice. This is going to be a hilarious podcast uh, for all you people. <laughs> I'm very well because it's sunny outside and I, I like nothing more than to be inside recording a podcast on a sunny day on a sunny day I, I just I always think of Pontypool now man when I have you watched Pontypool yet remember I told you no I it a while ago. you told me about it I haven't I haven't <laughs> seen it now yeah it's the actors just like you know he has, he has that radio voice you know call in tell us what's happening outside it's all about microphone technique. It's all about like, I mean, you, you know, you can be really loud when you're, you're away from it. You've got to move away if you're in a studio doing a voiceover or something. But then when you move in really close, it's really, that's where you go in for the really more personal kind of touch that you really yeah. go in nice and warm. And I'm kind of like a, a 3 a.m. It's, it's 3 a.m. It's jazz. <laughs> I think that's like Pontypool. I think it's like it's 7 a.m. here in Pontypool. It's a good movie, man. I like that movie up, up until the, the final act. But uh, but we're not here to talk about Pontypool, man. We're here to talk about Blue Ruin, which is... Uh, so usually we take movies that are like some of my really favorite movies, top 10, top 20, whatever movies. Um, and this isn't in there, but it's a movie I really, really like. And the reason we're talking about it is because we are desperately trying to make an indie feature film. And I've been telling you about this movie for years as a yeah. good look at how I think and in I don't think this movie is out of the realms of possibility that we could make it for next to no money you know and um, apart from little maybe little tiny details here now but uh, from what the camera this was shot on uh, it also reminds us of us because it's a director and an actor friend and the actor isn't getting the roles he wants and the director's not really making <clears throat> getting the stuff he wants so he decided they decided to shoot this movie together, and one of the big selling points in it is the main actor does not look like your typical Hollywood male lead that would be in this type of role. So, Macho, you can lead us into the movie because you haven't seen it. We haven't talked about it. This is your first viewing. It's my probably fourth or fifth viewing, and let let us know what you thought, Macho. Uh, yeah, so we we, um, we 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 open up on uh, a guy, a bearded man, having a having a bath in a, a, a in a house, and we go, oh, this is a man having a bath in his own house. Why would we assume anything different? And then suddenly you hear something that's like, oh, someone's broken into the house, and then he's jumping out the back window, and you're like, oh, okay, who's this guy? What's what's going on here? We're uh, we're, a little, we're a little bit wrong footed right right away, and we don't we don't um. I mean, you're talking about not a not a particular or not a specifically or a stereotypically rather Hollywood lead or whatever. It's not a not a certainly not a stereotypically Hollywood opening for a movie. Because no. I think about the first twenty minutes is just us camera we're with this character uh, Dwight. Uh, the camera's with him and it's with him and it's shown his uh, shown his pretty miserable existence. Um, to be honest, we don't find out about him anything really from exposition. We just see him going about his business. We see what he does. Um, 
and it, 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 we find out as far I mean, it's it's thin enough on plot. It's a revenge movie. We find out that he has uh, his parents have have been murdered in the past, and the man is going to get out of prison who's responsible for murdering the parents, and he decides to get revenge, and then it comes back after him. Yeah. And and possibly his family, and that's it, really. Plot, plot. Very wise. simple plot. Yeah, yeah. Extremely simple plot. Um, quick note. I just I just started kind of laughing now because I kind of noticed if any, if anybody's wondering why Matthew went from looking like the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ himself to clean cut shaven and, and stuff, we'll probably we'll discuss it later. In uh, we'll discuss it at the end of the podcast. <laughs> to all of our fans, of which there are none. Um, yeah. If 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 you are actually watching and going, oh, who's that? Who, who's that? Who's that man? But that's funny because I was actually thinking about that when I was watching the film because um, yeah, your man, man. See, this is why I kind of had this image in my head of you. So I was kind of a little bit heartbroken <laughs> that we didn't take advantage of it. But that's I don't know if it's too early to talk about this, but that that's a brilliant thing about the movie. Normally, when a character shaves or or whatever, there's a kind of there's a certain element of, of it being a little bit transformative or, mm-hmm. or whatever or of them you know turn over a new leaf or whatever um, but in, in his case it actually makes him almost look even more pathetic because he's such a fucking he's such a broken man mm-hmm. and when he's shaven clean shaven he, lo- he looks even I don't know he looks even weaker and more pathetic yeah. and more yeah. Um, yeah. it's just such a he, different he looks like your very average accountant or something you know and but when he the homeless look on, he kind of looked sinister, even though. But you yeah, know, yeah, but no, when he, he shaves, yeah. he's like, "Oh my god, what the hell?" He just—it's kind of—it's the opposite man of a film we'll probably watch at some point called "The Man from Nowhere." It's a Korean movie. It's the—it's the one of the movies that got me in the Korean cinema. But there's a scene where the, for the first half of the movie, the character has like long emo hair, and it's always covering his eyes, and you can never really get a good look at him. And then about halfway through the movie, he shaves his hair off, and then it's like nice and neat looking, and it's transformative. But I was, I, I kind of was like, oh, the character kind of looked more like sinister and cool and scary with the long hair, you know. But uh, I still, I still love that movie. Not like the movie's nearly a perfect uh, action thriller for me, but uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's similar here, man. But a couple of things to bring up about this movie before we get into it, because. It, when you know the story of it, so the, the, the director was um, DP in a lot, director of photography. The people don't know that, but I'm assuming if you're watching this this podcast about filmmaking and stuff, you probably know what a DP is. But basically they help get the director's vision on the screen. They operate the camera. Sometimes they don't operate the camera. But basically they're in charge of most of the visual design of the movie along with the production designer. Production designer chooses, you know, sets, colours, clothes, all that sort of stuff. DP would have a say in that, but also... Sometimes, sometimes known as a cinematographer. Is that an old-fashioned Cinem- expression, cinematographer? Cinematographer, it- yeah. I, I still prefer that term, uh, cinematographer, than DP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, I think a cinematographer, to me, this is the way I always looked at it. Cinematographer is a... He operates his own camera. No one else operates. Yeah. A director of photography is like a director. They probably sit at the monitor and direct camera operators and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not necessarily the way it is. That's just sometimes the way I kind of differentiate the two. But, yeah, uh, sure, yeah, yeah. So basically, he, but, you know, he wanted to make movies. They made this small movie, um, Murder Party, I think it was called. I haven't seen it yet. 
Um, yeah. And supposedly it was just a cheap horror slasher. But basically, and his actor friend, uh, who's the main actor in this movie, he wasn't getting the roles he wanted. And so both of them set out. They bought a Canon C300 back in the day. I talked to you about this camera the other night. And oh, yeah. it's a 1080p camera. Has not the best internal codex for shooting a movie on, um, especially today, these days. But uh, you could externally record to a different thing and blah, 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 get better image quality. The director didn't even do that. He just shot with the camera, which is... Every time I watch this movie, I'm absolutely blown away by how good it looks, considering it's a C300 camera internally recorded. But did I, he shoot? I, did he shoot it? Did he DP or cinematog? Yes, his own done, movie. He, yeah, he done he what did. I want to do. Yeah, he shot it. Yeah, and yeah. Directed his own movie, and uh, he just shot in Canon L series lenses, man. Again, not not big fancy master primes or Cook lenses, just Canon L series lens. Like that's that's why I really love this movie because of how good it looks. On compared to what was shot, but that that's a lot to say about how talented he was as a director, photographer, or cinematographer. You know, he's an extremely talented cinematographer. Um, it's a great looking movie. A great looking movie, man. It's fucking yeah. great looking. And they shot most of us with just a camera and a slider. Okay, yeah. Oh, well, a tripod, so either tripod, handheld, and slider. You know, but basically yeah. just no big fancy rigs and stuff. Um, so it, when you watch it knowing there's a slider so I was watching it last night man and I always kind of get caught up in the filmmaking of it I'm always watching the shots and all and it's like yeah. all these little slide, all these movements he did with the slider that adds so so much energy to the shot one of the early shots uh, when we first see the car it's, ju- it's just the, the slider moving right to left or right, left to right I can't exactly remember I think it's right to left and then he just pans the the uh, the camera as well and it just adds so much movement to this wee little shot that, you know, anybody lesser would just do as a static shot, you know, yeah, on a tripod. Um, and I, I think he knew that to make this feel more like a movie, it was to add movements into some of these shots, you know. And um, one of my favorite shots is when the police car pulls up, we're pushing close to the window. The rain, the the rain is on the window and all that, and uh, the police cars are out of focus in the background. It's one of these near the near the start, right? Near the start, yeah, 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 um, yeah. It's great, yeah. It's a great shot, and uh, but anyway, so basically, they nearly went broke making this man. They didn't get funding. He was using all his money. His wife, uh, the director, his wife put in money. The actor put in money the actor's family, the director's family, they all just put in loads of money to get this made. Then they did a Kickstarter, man, to, um, to raise money for the Kickstarter. They went out with the C300, him and the friend, and they shot a test film. I don't know if you can find it on YouTube, but it's on the Blu-ray. And man, it's okay. kind of amazing because it's very, the test film, you can see how with the test film, which is just him walking around being it's basically the first 20 minutes of the movie, you know, where he's trying to just walk around and scavenging for food. And yeah, it's yeah, basically yeah. that that's what they, they shot on the camera with the lenses. And they were like, look, this is what it can look. This is what the films can look like, but we just need help to get it made. Um, so you have, you want, once you know all that stuff, um, and I'm not sure the crew size and stuff, man, I've read interviews years ago um, I didn't read them all this time. I just kind of read one or two this time, so I can't remember the crew size. But I wouldn't say it was overly big. I wouldn't. I'd say it was. I'd say it was a pretty stripped down crew, you know. Mm. Um, but uh, so yeah, knowing all that, man, you know, 
let me know what you thought of the movie and and you know we'll get into it it's i mean it's it's slow enough to get going um yeah nearly no dialogue because, in the first definitely no dialogue yeah. in the first 10 minutes anyway like as you said virtually no dialogue um for the whole thing i mean he gets he gets the news that um the person who's killed his uh, his parents is getting released from prison i mean i, I think this is the first dialogue scene of any note in the whole thing that's got to be 10 or 15 minutes in I think yeah. he maybe goes into a goes into a gun shop again. There's very little dialogue there. He even um, then it's the even, sister. Then he doesn't. Then talk it's the to, sister, and that's that's twenty. That's the fucking twenty five minutes into the movie or something. And a dude, a dude at an adjoining table asks for ketchup at ketchup. one stage, yeah. um, which is a lovely little moment because it just breaks the tension of what he's just told her yeah. what he's done, which is get revenge. He's he's killed. He's killed the guy responsible for the death of his parents, or. Well, who he has been told and who he believes is responsible yeah. for the death of his parents. But he, um, he, he has a beautiful line where he says to his sister, he says, uh, sorry, I'm not, I'm not used to speaking to people for this long. Um, yeah. It's just, such, it's just such an unusual line uh, that, that, I don't know, it kind of says so much about this guy, where he's coming from and the, the, the depths to which his life has, has sunk. He, he, he lives in a car. He lives in an old, I think it's a Pontiac. Um, Great it, look is, on that car, man. It's so, it looks so, we, we've been talking a lot lately about, I've been saying to you about makeup and making things look good to fit the film. And that kind of proves my point because that car, if that was a clean car or half dirty, it wouldn't work nearly as well the fact that it's just rusty as fuck and everything is so good yeah well it's the titular it's the titular car right it's the it's the blue it's the blue ruin right i mean he mm-hmm. lives in he lives in this thing um it's it's but it is re- it's a really important part of the movie like it, it really is isn't it yeah no i yeah no man the first um the, the opening like up until we'll say the bathroom scene in in the bar it's just it's it's just great storytelling because there really isn't much dialogue. And even when he is with the cop, it's so limited dialogue. It's just information given. Somebody's yeah. getting out of prison, you know, he's getting out of prison, blah, blah, blah. And then, and it's just, it's, it's, it's really weird because I, I remember the director said, usually in a typical revenge movie, the first act of this movie is the last act of a normal movie or whatever, you know? So the, yeah. the idea in this movie was, well, what if he gets revenge at the start of the movie? What happens after that? You know, mm. and then you know he goes and that's a, a great dialogue scene with his sister in the diner, and then he realizes, shit, you you need to like get out of here with your kids because they're probably gonna, you know, the circle of violence, circle of revenge, they're gonna come now and get revenge on us for killing one of them, and on and on it'll go. Um, I also He's think. Clearly- He's clearly thought about revenge so much that as soon as he doesn't see anything on the news about this guy being violently murdered, or he's just violently murdered, he goes, "Oh fuck! They didn't call the cops. They're coming for me." Like, yeah. or or my or my sister. He's clearly he's clearly been thinking about this for a long time, right? Yeah. It's not necessarily a leap of logic that you a normal person would would make a function in human being right yeah well yeah and it also yeah it lets you know the way his head has been working and yeah yeah and uh he gives a really good performance man i think um and it's it's kind of a shame because 
since this movie, he's kind of just, he's been in other movies, which is great for him as an actor and stuff, you know, getting work and getting paid. But every time I see him, he's just limited to a background character again, you know, and not even like a main supporting role, like, you know, like really kind of um, middle of the ground roles in movies. And it's a shame because you see him in this and it's like, this guy's a good actor. He should be cast in, in better projects and, and stuff, you know? Well, what's great about about his, his performance? I don't know. I don't know what you think, but what I think is that it's not. It's a common expression to to describe what an actor does in a movie as a performance. But I don't feel, I don't feel at any point like he's he's performing, and it might be the intimacy that he has with the yeah. director, the relationship they have. But it's just capturing these. His line deliveries are very strange and unusual. His, his kind of a lot of the mannerisms. They're just not they're not you know there's no you're not seeing acting on top of what he's doing or performance or yeah. artifice or anything he's just he's just existing in front of this camera as this this fucked up individual who's hell bent on hell bent on his own destruction really I mean it ultimately is where it's going right yeah no he he, he is and you're right it's 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 just interesting because a lot of people will uh, no that's that's not to say a lot of people but uh People could watch, I could see people watching this movie and he doesn't look like a badass. I can't buy this. Do you know that type of yeah. approach? Because yeah. by the last act, he's like a like he's a badass in the most real life way almost. Because in movies, the way people are badasses isn't the way in real life it would work. But the end of this movie is probably the most realistic depiction of how this sort of action sequence would take place. You know, yeah, and yeah, I, I think so. I mean, he, he he the film does have a little bit of a sense of humor. We might talk about it in a minute, but like he, yeah. he tries to he tries to shoot a guy and he misses him from like from, from two yards. Away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there there is that sense. I, I think the sense of humor in this is amazing. It, do you know what movie it reminds me of, Major? Uh just some some place. Uh, no nation for 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 old codgers, is it or? <laughs> For older people, no nation for older people. <laughs> it, it does though. It I think it does because there's a lot of similarities, man. It's it's a cat and mouse movie, which no country is. No country, uh, man is. Yeah, it's it's a slow opening with literally no dialogue. No country is very slow opening with no dialogue. Yeah, no country opens with a really violent scene, but that's in the first five minutes. Blue Ruin opens with an extremely violent scene, but it's more fifteen minutes so you know in the the stabbing uh and and it's just then it then it's just the tone and direction man they're kind of similar the camera walk is kind of similar and the feeling of the movie is kind of similar you know yeah Um, yeah which is probably a reason i like the movie a lot you know that i really like this sort of movie but i also i also always have in the back of my head how indie this movie is this is not a hollywood production you know this is an indie movie and I always have that in the back of my head and how good it is for that always gives it a, another point because of that, you know? Well, they, they, uh, it's, it's a very, in a lot of ways, it's a very slow movie and it feels a yeah. lot of the time like not a huge amount is happening. Um, mm-hmm. It's a guy, on, guy getting revenge, so there's violence in it. Man, when the violence comes, it seems to just suddenly kind of fucking burst out of nowhere. It does. And yeah. it's really, really well executed and extremely yeah. fucking violent right extremely yeah. violent extremely violent yeah no it is man it's it's 
the violence is handled really well and it is it's the surprising and suddenness of it that makes a lot of it work um and and then yeah man it's just it's it's such a well executed movie for again this type of indie movie it's one of the best non hollywood indie movies of I've seen and people can say, Oh, there's loads of indie movies out there. Just cause it's an indie movie. doesn't mean it doesn't have some sort of backing by some studio or whatever. This is lit. This is an indie movie that was funded by people, you know? Yeah. Well, that term indie has, has come to describe a kind of an aesthetic rather than actually being what it means. Right. Yeah. 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 Like, it's kind of used in a different way. Yeah. Like they own the rights. The, the, the two guys who made it, it's their movie, you know. They they put the money into it. They didn't go. They didn't go and have a film board give them half their budget or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And so it's just, it's it's inspirational, man. Because I've brought this yeah. film up to you loads of times over the years when we're trying to write something or make something. And um, at the moment, I'm writing a script that kind of opens similar to this, and I wanted you to watch this to see how, because this is the type of stuff that's in my head for the thing I'm writing, you know, the, yeah, the homeless yeah. man script. And then, uh, but then you look at this man and, and you compare it to other things we're trying to make, you know, and like the one we're talking about, the disease. And then you look at the start of this and it's like, not, there's no dialogue. It's a very slow movie. And I was saying to you about the disease, there's not much happening in the disease where people get bored. And you look at this movie and it's like, I don't get bored, but I can see people getting bored. But there's still enough happening in this. It's just very simple stuff. It's, oh, he goes to get in the car. The car's not working. He gets in the limo. He, he does this. He, he, he is, he's doing logical things. And, and that's, you're just watching him do logical things. And then other logical things are happening, you know? And it, but, it, like, uh, but it's all... It's all I mean, th- there's a bit where he's posting a letter and it cuts from inside the car to this shot of him. It's just his arm coming out and putting the yeah. uh, postcard into the post. It's just this gorgeous shot and then it cuts back inside again. There's just, you just, there's just something to look at. I mean, I think that's the thing. If you're going to, if you're going to try and have a slow start to a movie like this or whatever, you got to, you got to have good, you got to have good camera work to, to put it mildly, right? It's, it's amazing camera work when I, I fucking love it. Um, I really do love the look of this movie. And now you see why my head kind of goes, you know, you can buy a C300 now for about 800 euro. Mm. And I, I was saying to you, will we get one to, to shoot our film on? But obviously we're in 2021 now where kind of 4K is the leading thing. And if you spend money on a 1080p camera that's potentially 10 to 12 years old now, there's no resale value on it. So it's 800 euro invested into a camera and you're hoping the image can look as good as Blue Road, you know? Not, not the, because it, it's a lot of it's not, no, I'm not talking about the cinematography. I'm actually just talking about the actual image quality that the camera is given. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, 4K is no, I mean, there's a lot of stuff you can tell that's been shot within the last couple of years. And I'm just assuming it's 4K or it's, it's ultra, ultra HD, mm-hmm. where there's basically no cinematography. A lot of stuff you see on Netflix is just like someone points a camera and, it actually looks worse because of the high quality to me. Yeah. Because there's no, there's no light and shade. There's no, I don't know what I mean. Like it's there's just no, like no shape and yeah, there's no shape. Video, it's like, video reality almost, you know? Yeah. I think that's when people say it's too digital when there's no yeah. shaping of light and it's just someone pointing the camera and everything's just sharp. And it's like, I, I honestly believe a lot of cinematography is lighting and color 
Um, and, you know, the C300 camera gives beautiful color and um, obviously the lighting that down, that, that's down to the camera operator and the way he's shooting the shots. Yeah, and the yeah. lighting in this movie is great because a lot of it's natural light because they should have, a lot of this movie's like exteriors or interiors where there's a lot of sunlight coming through a window or something. You know, like yeah, in the interior yeah. of the car or, or whatever. So, uh, so yeah, man, technically this movie is fucking awesome. But again, because of the limitations, it's even more impressive. Yeah. Um, and this is still my favorite movie by this director. From And I haven't seen his first one, but I've seen his other two. And it's like, I, I don't know if he was DP in the others. I, I don't think he was because they were kind of more Hollywood. They a bit more, did a, like not a studio, but they might have had some production houses behind them and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, maybe you should go back to DP and shit. Because <laughs> like, I think this is his, you know, his best thing. But uh, um, yeah, man. So like... How did you feel by the time we got to the end and how did you feel after it? What, what was your overall thoughts on like the movie as a whole? Like forget, t- taking out that it's low budget and stuff, looking at it as its own merits as a movie. How did you feel about it by the end of it? Um, you, you, it's, it's a good thriller, uh, firstly. I mean, it works yeah. as a thriller. You're tense. You wonder what's going to happen next. Um, like you referred to, you referred to a scene where he, you know he jumps into the limo after he's he's killed the guy in the in the bathroom at the start. Yeah, the, the movie or whatever. Thirty minutes in. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't travel all that far in the limo, uh, but it's, it feels incredibly tense. He's going to get caught at any moment. Blah blah blah. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the stuff. There's the stuff with a friend, which is nice. There's a big team about guns in this movie. I think you know. All yeah. you need is a gun. All you need is a gun to go after someone and get revenge. It'll solve all your problems. Yeah. Um, you don't. I suppose you sort of don't want him to die at the end of the movie, maybe. But you don't really think there's any chance of him living because he's just. I don't know, he's kind of accepted it himself at that stage or you just know the way the film has gone. I mean, it does that revenge thing. Loads of revenge movies like we talked about on this podcast about uh, Koreans being masters of, of revenge cinema, right? We, did, we yeah. did I Saw the Devil, which has a lot, of, a lot of revenge movies have a kind of a thing about, oh, well, revenge is all about, you know, what it does to the person who's trying to get revenge. But they're like a lot of them are not really about that or they don't do it well. This really does. It really drags you down into the into the pit with this guy, you know. Yeah. Like he, you know, he he basically says, you know, look, we're we're all gonna die here. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Your father, your your father, when he killed my parents, he's responsible for all of your deaths. <laughs> it's not me. I'm not doing it. Yeah. It's like yeah. this this chain of logic has been set. It's yeah. so grim. It's so. Uh, it's so bleak, um, just in a, in a in in a, in a wonderful way, like because it just yeah. it just delivers on it. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think. The closing shots of the movie are are the, uh, the the sister's house. She hasn't come home yet from from she's 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 gone on the run, basically till this thing blows over to Pittsburgh. Um, we see the we see various gardening tools that he'd placed around the house, right? Because he's waiting for these guys. Yeah, yeah. And then the post the postcard that he had sent to her, which she hadn't she hadn't gotten yet. Yeah. Um, before he came to visit her, that comes in through the door. The door. Yeah, I like the t- I like the bit with the postcard. Yeah. 
Um, it's grim and it's bleak uh, and, and it has a, a very dry sense of humour where he finds the gravestone of the, the guy who he, fi- he finds out basically that the guy he killed is not the person who killed his mm-hmm. parents. One of, the, one of the sons took the fall for it, um, which is, uh, it's too late in the story at that stage for that to make any massive difference to the plot I mean it does it does impact it but he's 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 hell bound for fucking for confrontation with these people and either he's going to wipe them out or they're going to they're going to wipe him out kind of his family yeah. um, but there's a moment where he finds the gravestone and he, he pisses on it um, but it's it's shot in such a dry way you yeah. just yeah. you just see the headstone it's shot in such a matter of fact just yeah <laughs> matter of fact matter of fact is the word it's even more matter of fact than the Coens you feel like in, yeah. in, in, in No Country for Old Men they sort of acknowledge that there's a little bit of humour or they stage it they do but this is kind of like it doesn't even really it doesn't even really acknowledge that it's doing a joke when it, when it does it which is which is kind of wonderful yeah yeah I saw uh, I was reading some comments on this movie last night and someone said uh the best movie the Coen brothers never made. And then someone, okay. someone wrote underneath it, no, no, no. If the Coens made this, there'd be a lot more characters confused with each other and lack of uh, bad communication. And you know, I was like, yeah, that's probably, that's probably true. But I was like, it is very, it's very no country. It's very Coen brothers in a way. You can definitely see that there. Um, which is funny because the director said in an interview, one of his, other movies, I can't remember the name of it, Hold the Dark or something. Oh, I can't remember the name of it. But uh, he said No Country was an influence on that movie. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, man, it's 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 a very, you know, you don't walk out of this movie like, oh, you know, let's go drink yeah. it. You walk out of this movie like, holy shit, that was fucking dark and depressing and uh, like, but it's a fucking good movie. Not every movie has to be, happy fucking sunshine and rainbows <laughs> uh, no be more depressed more depressed at the end of uh, uh, you know many many's the movie where the world gets saved at the end you can be far more depressed <laughs> than coming out of this because you've just because you've just watched a bad movie right or whatever yeah like this is such a well executed movie um, and yeah man like I just the, the, you're right about the reveal of the the dad, and I, I, you know, it's it is still felt. Uh, it's it's not like oh, it's this big, huge reveal, um. But it's like it's a reveal that's like he never he never really got revenge, you know. This revenge yeah. that he held on to for years, he never even got the chance to to get it, um. And then he killed some someone who was innocent, and then it led to you know this family just wanting to kill him and. Uh, you know, as you said, sometimes, man, I, you know, the cycles of violence and revenge. And I've been thinking a lot lately, lately uh, about scripts and themes and messages. And it's like, I don't know. Can pe- sometimes do we read all this stuff into it? Are people just trying to make a movie that they think, oh, this is interesting to follow this character? And then we see things and read it into it, or is the people making the movie actively aware of what they're trying to say? You know, so oh, sometimes I don't know. yeah, it's very hard to because sometimes like I don't know, man. When I write, I'm not thinking of a message or anything. I'm thinking of isn't this an interesting plot? What if this guy wakes up? This sort of guy wakes up in a zombie apocalypse. What happens? 
what if this homeless guy finds X, Y, and Z? I'm not thinking of a big message or, or a statement on that. And I'm just thinking, is, would this be a fun movie to watch? You know? Yeah. I think if you, if you follow, if you follow your premise and you're trying to follow a logic from it, your, your assumptions about the world and the way the world is or the way the world should be or whatever, that's, that's going to feed into your choices about what the, what the logic of the, of the world is. Right. Um, yeah. if this, this movie was made in Ireland, there wouldn't be ready availability of guns, right? So that would not be that would not be part of the movie. So that's yeah, that's one part of it. Um, that's true. Yeah, you're making it much, like man. I, I was th- I, I I had an idea the other day for a film about a, a a woman who'd lost her husband. You know, an older woman and her husband had passed on, and she's extremely religious, but her closest friend is an atheist. Hmm. And I, I I had this idea, and but man, I wouldn't tackle it in a way that, like obviously my personal views would probably did obviously kind of be in doubt but I wouldn't tackle it to be like being religious is right or being atheist is right I would tackle it as in this is this character's point of view this is this character's point of view and they clash and it would be it, it's more about clashing over this character's in a sensitive point at the moment because her husband only passed away a couple of days ago and this friend kind of being a dick, and it's about understanding each other and having a middle ground. You know, that's the way I would be. Yeah. Um. But so it's it is. But I wouldn't be doing it to have a message. It'd just be like this is interesting to me putting these two characters in a situation. You know. Yeah. Well, I think if you're you're saying the director said, you know, we wanted to make a certain type of a revenge movie. If you make a revenge movie, the certain tropes, the certain conventions, yeah. the certain whatever you know that comes. I mean, the fact that he um. The fact that he doesn't, the fact that he doesn't get to get to kill the father, and that he ends up going after the son, the daughter, whatever, in in in, in a way, that's the point of it. Like the, the 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 cycle of violence thing, you know, whether it's explicitly a message or if you follow that logic, it is where it leads you. Like I think some of the first laws ever made in human history and ancient cultures were laws against laws against murder to stop blood feuds going on between families. Kind of, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. That like okay, we'll have some sort of a thing where the, where a state or like an embryonic version of a state steps in and goes, no, we'll we'll punish you know whoever did this on behalf of whatever. Yeah. But um, so I think if you follow the if you follow the logic, but yeah, no, I mean I think mostly you're working on you're working on impulse and instinct rather than trying to deliver messages. I don't think that ever. I don't think that ever works. It's for it's for critics and academics or just the public at large, whatever, to kind of go, oh, well, this movie betrays sexism or this movie betrays yeah. a liberal message or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, I think it's more at a at a distance, like you know. Yeah, because I, I always picture myself, man. If uh, you know, I don't I don't really have these dreams anymore. I just kind of want to make movies for myself. But you know, if you made a half decent movie and you're doing interviews and people are questioning you and they're asking, you know, what this character felt like, and they're asking you this big pretentious sort of question about something and you're just like if that's what you got from it fair enough like what else I just fucking I just wrote like he does this and I wasn't thinking about all that like but okay I just sometimes I'm thinking of that and I have a funny way to end this not a funny way I've an interesting way to end this uh uh, the podcast that I blew around, man. But uh, do you? Uh, I'll, I'll say it at the end of it. Do you have anything else you want to say about this movie? I know this isn't a particularly long podcast. It's not particularly a deep dive review. It's more of a admiration of 
two people who really wanted to make a movie and they, they didn't let anybody stand in their way and they made a really, really fucking impressive movie. Yeah, um, talented, talented people. Now, all, all I'll say is that I discovered in my, uh, in my Googling, which is barely even research, really, Googling, but anyway, uh, in the course of my research, Macon Blair, who the, yeah. the actor, is also an indie director who did I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore. Um, oh, did he direct that? Which and, and wrote it as well, I think. Yeah, oh, which is man, a really, really fucking yeah. weird, uh, amazing movie about a woman who gets her laptop stolen. Stolen. Uh, Elijah, Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood's so good in that movie, man. Uh, it's, I didn't know um, he directed that, man. Oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah I've, seen that. I've seen that movie once or twice. Let me, yeah. let me in real time. But I mean, I read this last night and now I'm like, hold on. Shit, was it that guy? I don't feel at home in this world anymore. It's... um. I think I watched it during the lockdown. So I have fond memories of laughing. I watched it. Do you know why I watched it? I told you this the other day. I was kind of going through their, their history and watching movies they'd recommended. Yeah. So, so recently I've been going through Red Letter Media's uh, catch-up playlist where, you know, every year they do a catch-up where they do really quick one, two-minute reviews on movies that they didn't review in half in the bag. And uh, But a few years ago I was watching one of them and one of the recommendations was that movie. So I stuck it on and watched it. Um yeah, any, anything Jay recommends, man, I'll watch because I think I have very similar tastes. They, Jay, they, they Jay has good, good recommendations, yeah. They mentioned one recently called Lemon. And uh, it was, uh, I haven't watched it yet, but it's supposed to be like extremely dry witted and stuff. And then you and me obviously recently watched One Cut of the Dead, which I don't know if we'll do a podcast on because I don't know if we can get a full podcast on it, but we'll, we'll definitely talk about how good that goddamn movie is. It's hard to talk about that movie without kind of spoiling exactly, the, the, exactly. the, the, the phone the of watching it. Yeah. It, it's, in a way, it's similar to like Fight Club in the sense that you, people have to watch Fight Club and then you can talk about it, you know, because it's at risk of spoiling any little detail. One Cut of the Dead is very similar in a sense. Uh, so yeah, no, he's only directed. He's only he's written and directed one movie, but he's another couple that are TBA. One of which is the Toxic Avenger, which isn't that a trauma thing? Uh, I've never. Uh, maybe, maybe they're re- maybe they're remaking it. But anyway, anyway. Uh, so yeah, he's he's a good he's a good writer director as well as a uh, good indie mm. filmmaker like in in general as well as a really good actor. I yeah. would definitely like to see him do something else then after that. Uh, but no, I'm with you, man. I think this is this is. I, I think it's a really. I'd highly recommend it if people, any filmmakers out there, definitely watch it and appreciate appreciate like how well they made this movie. And I'm not saying appreciate this in like in a way that you know there's some low budget movies out there where you'll forgive certain elements because you're like, oh, they made this on really low budget. Mm. Some of the camera work is too shaky. You might notice a bad cut. Some of the acting might be dodgy, you know, and you'll give them a break. This isn't even that movie. Take, take out knowing that this is really low budget. Take out knowing that this is, you know, small crew and take out all of that stuff. This is a good movie. Forget yeah. all of that. It's actually stands yeah. up as a good movie. Cause I, I noticed when a lot of people say, you know, oh, I shot this film. It was only shot in a day. We'd only three crew. It's like, give me the pass if you don't like it. You know, a lot of people do that. And I've noticed this because I think I building... did it as well. I've done it as well when I was younger. I'd be like, oh, I shot this movie. We only had two days to shoot this. We'd only three crew or four crew. You know, the weather, you're telling the whole, but it's like, it doesn't matter. It does the film, you know, you made the film, you released the film. Is the film good? You know? 
it it's uh, yeah, I, I I know what you mean. You you do see that a lot. It's kind of like building an apology. So if you didn't like this, it's your fault because like we made it and we had no resources. So like yeah. you you didn't like it. You're just a you're just an asshole who doesn't yeah, respect. Go, our, go easy our, on us because you know we only had two days to shoot. It's like well that's like you're releasing it. You know it's going to be judged as a movie no matter if you the day or a hundred days. You know but but anyway, I wanted to end this yeah. podcast, man. So a writing technique. Um, I found out about uh, when I first watched this movie a couple of years ago was uh, reversing the plot. So it's it's when you take you take Star Wars for instance and you make Darth Vader the hero and Luke Water uh, Luke Luke Water Water Luke Water Walker Luke, <laughs> Luke Warm, Skywalker Luke Warm Skywater Walker, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looks okay, let's Skywalker. let's let's keep that let's keep that for something else. Now. Something We've just else. Come up with that. Yeah, yeah. But basically, you take it as you know. This guy was a Jedi, uh, was a wizard or whatever. But they put they turned their back on him. The the council he was with, and they take his kids away from him, and they tell his kids that he's evil, and they raise his kids up to believe he's the bad guy, and he has to fight them. You know, you just kind of twist the story and then change what you need to change to for your plot. Yeah. So I wrote an outline for a movie called Ruin Blue. Ruin Blue. See? Did you did, did you actually do this? Well, working title, Matthew. I, 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 it was only a working title, but it was so I knew what it was. If I opened my laptop and I was like, I don't remember. It was like, oh, Ruin Blue. I know. I, I immediately know what that idea was. And it was about a, a, a loving family and the dad accidentally... It gets in a car accident or whatever and kills. Uh, I haven't read it, so I'm kind of trying to remember it. He he kills this family of this other cop. Uh, you know, this other family kills their parents, and then he ends up dying of cancer not too long after it. Uh, but his son, his son takes the fall for it because he he's like, you know, Dad, I want you to enjoy your last year or two out, outside. I don't want you to, you know, be in prison and die. Blah blah. blah. Yeah. So his son takes the fall for it, and. Uh, his son gets out of prison and it's all happy and the family see him, it's an emotional and then out of nowhere, the son is murdered and they find out it's the son of the... You know what I mean? It was basically just me reversing the plot and making the villains in this, the heroes, this, you know, and it works, so you're reversing, man. You're reversing plot, you're reversing character dynamics, you're, you're, you're yeah. reversing everything. It's mirror... It's, it's mirror, but you, you change the things to suit what you're trying to do. You know, you change certain aspects to suit what you're trying to do with it, like, and, uh, but I, then I kind of wrote a different version of it where this family is scumbags, but one of the sons is actually nice. They lock him up in a room and stuff, you know? Um, but, uh, you know, I wrote different versions of it, but it's just, it's a, mm. for anybody again, who wants to write reversion scripts is such a good way to get fresh ideas for, for movies by just reversing plots of some of your favorite movies and then changing whatever needs to be changed to suit that. It's, and idea. it's changed, changed beyond all recognition at that stage. It's yeah. if, like it hasn't started from yeah. from that starting point. Man, it's a bit like it's a bit like writing a song, taking a, a taking a like a chord structure or something. And going, well, I'll just reverse that and see what happens. Well, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You break you break that plot, man, into a into an act structure. The inciting incident, fifteen minutes in, is the car crash. Uh, you know this the son, the son uh, going to prison. You know is the end of the first act. The father. The father dying is the middle of the second act. The son getting out of prison and dying is half point of the movie. Do you know? 
and then the final act is you've this one guy trying to kill all your family and you're trying to the mother's trying to protect them all. Do you know what I mean? In a house in the woods. Do you know what I mean? Like you could do this for you could do this for just for purposes of fun as opposed to a writing. I do it technique. for fun sometimes. Every time I watch a movie, I do it. Yeah, it's not really a writing technique. That is the it's it's not a technique in such as in if you're trying to think of it's an exercise, yeah. It's an exercise in writing. Yeah, yeah it's an exercise in, in it's it can be a good warm-up exercise if 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 you're about to outline a story or about to try to think how to break a story, then do break a different story in reverse by mirroring it and changing the aspects and it warms up your brain. But like I kind of like that idea, man. I think the fucking Ruin Blue idea is actually a good script. Like Yeah, uh, no, it sounds like a, it's 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 like a it, it sounds more like a, it sounds well. I suppose Blue Ruin is a family drama to to an extent, but it sounds like even more of a, a kitchen sink family drama almost in a way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. No, I just wanted to share that little tidbit that I have an outline for a script called Ruin Blue. Ruin, Ruin Blue. Blue in my, in my uh, man. A lot of my scripts are like homeless man movie, you know, uh, revenge thriller, hitman movie. You know, I just they're just generic titles for for plots it's really yeah if you ever see my folder one zombie movie it's it's ridiculous home invasion movie seriously these are the titles of my folders you hope a, you hope a good title comes from a piece of dialogue later on in the later on in the writing yeah well, well that assassin short uh, film and no witnesses we talked about that i only i only came up with that title like a few weeks ago because i was like well this the guy says to him, "No witnesses." So this is the this is and it fits with what the movie's about. So yeah, uh, so yeah, so no, Matthew, that's 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 me for today. That's all I have to say about Run Blue. I highly recommend people go out and watch it. It is a bit slow for more casual moviegoers. You know, it's not really. And as much as we talk about the violence, it's not an action movie. There's just sports of small violent moments throughout the movie, uh, and not even throughout. There's probably three of them uh, throughout the movie. Them, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's it's definitely not like your all out action movie. It's more along the lines of a really slow paced not the, a ton of dialogue either. Wait, wait, wait for the headshot where a character who could have been played by John Goodman um says, Sorry, I had to wait for him to aim so I could make it good and legal. <laughs> Just a great moment in the movie. I kept thinking of John Goodman when I was uh, when I was looking at that dude. He does he does a really good performance. But anyway, sorry, I'm I'm, I'm you know I'm going who, off track. You know who the friend character is? Did you know who he was? Did you notice him? No, no. He is uh, in Home Alone. He was the big brother who used to always be annoying Kevin. Oh my god, I I, I can't remember that guy's name, but I know who it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, what was his name in the movie? In uh, he has a really obnoxious kind of bully name, doesn't he? Oh God. Bug? No, Bug, no. Bug no, sounds kind of right. Bug sounds Buzz. right. Buzz. Is it Buzz? <laughs> I can't remember. Buzz. Buzz, I'm in your room. I'm, come on, you have to come out and stop me. I think it's Buzz. I can't remember. It doesn't matter. It's that actor. I think so. <laughs> he had, he, as, as a kid, he had that really just like kind of unfortunate, like just, he just looked like a little, he just looked like a little bully. He was like cast. It's the kind yeah. of kid you would cast. So that's him. Ah, he's yeah. still acting and he does a really good job in this actually. Yeah. No, he does one actually. Yeah. So that is us, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. We keep. I think I keep saying we'll do Blade Runner soon. We will be doing Blade Runner really soon. <laughs> It'll hopefully be next week.
James is making me watch superhero movies for other podcasts, so I can't. Um, I don't have the time now because they're getting yeah. progressively longer. So, so Matt is not a huge superhero lover of the Marvel movies. So uh, we we are uh, we have another. Uh, well, it's on this podcast. We have a series on this podcast, and uh, which aren't deep dive reviews. They're just little thirty minute reviews of matches watch the movie and how he feels about it and and we're going to work our way to end game at the very least and then we'll see if we'll we'll go past end game to any further but we'll we'll go to end game considering that's kind of the ending of of this the first book of marvel or whatever but uh for now i am james we shall be back that is matthew goodbye folks ciao jenshi take care Bye-bye. See you again.